1: This week on Not Sam Wrestling, so much to talk about with Roman Reigns getting doused in dog food, Walter losing the NXT UK Championship, so to speak, and Kane is with us in studio on this here show. This is Not Sam Wrestling.
0: This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam...
1: Roberts. Hey everybody! Hope you're staying warm wherever you are. Happy Monday! What a way to start the week, huh? I'm actually enjoying this schedule. I like that that Monday morning first thing, not Sam Wrestling is there for you every single time, no matter what. We're back on Thursday afternoons as well, but it's always like a random time. You really, if you want it to be dependable. It's basically got to be Friday morning because it'll be sometime between 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. You're guaranteed to get a new podcast every Thursday, but who knows exactly what time it's going to be. Either way, we get the shows up and we enjoy doing them, right? The content is out there and that's what 2020 is going to be all about for Not Sam and for Not Sam Wrestling is getting as much content out there for you as humanly possible whether that's on YouTube, whether that's on Patreon, whether that's here on the podcast, wherever you find anything, just put/ notsam or/notsam wrestling and you'll find great content. We're putting out little videos from the podcast on Instagram over at uh, instagram.com/notsam and on Twitter at Twitter/notsam. Of course, we've got the Not Sam YouTube page, the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube page, and all the wonderful beautiful Not Sam shows. At patreoncom wrestling, all getting to enjoy all this content, and I, you know, as I think of more about what we're going to be doing in 2020, I think about what WWE has been doing over 2019, and uh, also what they've been doing over the 2010s. So as as we talk about that, and we'll talk about it more as the weeks go on here on the podcast, but. We will be doing new shows, of course, as we always do, every Monday and every Thursday. So that last week of the year, uh, I think we're going to be doing shows that are year-end and decade-end shows. So I want you guys to be emailing notsamwrestling at gmail.com. With any points or discussions that you want to have, first about 2019 and what 2020 is going to look like, and then about the entire decade of the 2010s. And we'll probably do some kind of countdown as to what the top 10 moments of 2010 were or something like that. Maybe I'll find somebody great to do the the countdown with. You can make those suggestions too. You can also email that email address, notsamwrestling at gmail.com uh, to uh, discuss any uh, uh, stuff that's happening throughout the week. Every Thursday, we generally go through a lot of those emails. So if you want to email notsamwrestling at com with any uh, thoughts that you have throughout the week. Go ahead and do that, and we'll get to it on Thursday on the podcast. Uh, Speaking of this here podcast, this is a big one. This week, we've got Kane. Now, Kane stepped in, and he did the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts show on SiriusXM. And you know, when I have big interviews like that that I think you all are going to enjoy, I want to make sure that they're on the podcast, too. If you've already heard it, no problem. You still download this podcast. Now you've got the interview forever for posterity. There's going to be video of it going up at YouTube slash NotSamWrestling. Uh, and of course, we'll have a full length state of wrestling immediately following the interview. And we've got a lot to talk about there. So we've got a lot of content to hit you with today on the podcast. Uh, Kane was in studio because uh, he's got a new book out kind of chronicling his life in wrestling and politics. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's an interesting read. Just because Kane has done so much, you know, we we forget sometimes that Kane started as he's one of these guys in in the late '80s, early '90s. I guess is really when Kane first started, right around like Smoky Mountain, like you know, '91, '92 is when people started to become aware. '93 maybe, and he did a couple of things in Smoky Mountain. I think he was Unabom at one point. He was definitely the Christmas creature at one point. But his first foray into WWE was, of course, as the legendary Dr. Isaac Yankem DDS. Still one of my favorite things Mattel has done since procuring the WWE toy license is figure out a way to get an Isaac Yankum action figure in the line. One Isaac Yankum action figure exists, and it's not a Hasbro... Isaac Yankem, even though he was wrestling in the Hasbro era, and it's not a Jacks Isaac Yankem, even though they had the rights to Glenn Jacobs and had an entire line of classic superstars. Jacks made a Giant Gonzalez. Jacks made a Bastion Booger. Jacks made a Harvey Whippleman. They made everybody. They made Andy Kaufman. They made everyone you could think of. Never made an Isaac Yankem. So Jacks turned around. I mean, Mattel turned around and figure out figured out how they could get an Isaac Yankum in the line, and they did. And it really is a beautiful figure. He comes with a dental mask and everything. It's amazing. I mean, dental goggles is what he comes with, I think. So I have it over there. He's got a removable white dental shirt, the blue pants. But obviously, Isaac Yankum was short-lived, didn't really work out. But WWE didn't lose faith in Glenn Jacobs as a performer. And I'm sure his size had a lot to do with it uh, when he was asked to come back and be Diesel number 2. When Kevin Nash and Scott Hall... Uh, went over to WCW. WWE wanted to prove that they own the rights to Razor and Diesel. and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash could do whatever they want, but goddammit, those were their characters. So here comes fake Razor and fake Diesel. Fake Diesel, of course, played by the one and only Glenn Jacobs. That was also short-lived, but WWE still did not lose faith in Glenn Jacobs. And they started telling this amazing story about The Undertaker and it was an Attitude Era, Paul Bearer, Undertaker, bastard son, half-brother, the seed of, I think they ended up both being Paul Bearer's kid, I don't remember, but the Undertaker thought that his brother had died in a fire that was actually started by Paul Bearer. I mean, it was actually started by the Undertaker. Paul Bearer had raised the Undertaker because On accident, he killed his parents and his brother in a fire. But what the Undertaker didn't realize is, He's alive! He's alive! Kane was alive the whole time. And at Bad Blood 97, that's gotta be Kane. Kane shows up and he rips that door off of the Hell in a Cell and he tombstones the Undertaker and Sean gets that pin. That's October of 97. The two don't actually meet in a squared circle. Kane would go on to beat Vader at the next pay-per-view. Mankind at the pay-per-view after that. By the way, beating all those guys with red lights left on in the arena the entire time. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Kane was a monster. He didn't sell for everybody, anyone. He beat up everybody. And there were red lights on the entire time he wrestled. Do we know anybody like that? So, Kane ends up wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania 14. That's the uh, uh, WrestleMania that was, of course, headlined by Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, not the greatest match in the world, but the story leading up to it was one of the best told rivalry stories in wrestling ever. Kane would go on to uh, be the big red monster. He would turn uh, into a good guy. And become a human after his friendship with X-Pac. He would eventually be unmasked. After losing a match in Madison Square Garden. Exposing that half of his hair had been burned off. He immediately went to the locker room and shaved off the other part of his hair. Because he realized how stupid he looked. But then he became bald, scary looking Kane. Starred in the film See No Evil. Went to WrestleMania 26 years after WrestleMania 14. The Undertaker returned after being the American badass to have another match with Kane there at WrestleMania 20. Uh, he became corporate Kane. He went back to wearing the mask. He went, I mean, the story of Kane is a tremendous, tremendous one, and if anybody should have a book, I think it's that guy. I was so excited to have Kane in, and of course, this is from the XM show, which means we're not going to go strictly wrestling. Jim Norton, my co-host in studio with me, as is comedian Sam Murrell. Now, Sam Morrell grew up a Kane fan, so he was super excited. He grew up in the Attitude Era, so he's as excited as any of us would be when Kane walked in that studio. So today, here on Not Sam Wrestling, you get to listen for yourself. What happened when the big red machine stepped into the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts studio?
0: The Not Sam Wrestling interview.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I would I would up. say it's a safe bet what probably you know. what's going on the tallest mayor in America for sure. You would fuck up Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> i <I'm> be crazy. <laughs> Glenn Jacobs hey. Kane however you know him he's here in the studio with us. How are y'all? Have you done research to make sure that you are the physically biggest mayor in the in in America? So there is a mayor from uh,
0: another county in rural Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That he's a pretty big cat. I think he's my height. Really? He's a big dude. Yeah, we we could we could we could add something to the Tennessee Volunteers offensive line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did you play football ever or no?
0: I did. I did. I played at Truman State University.
2: What'd you play?
1: Offensive tackle. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> there's only one position, right? Giant yeah. Lineman, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, at what point in your life did you start to get uh, uh, politically Motivated, and I don't even mean like thinking that this would be a career, I more right. mean get interested in it because you've been talking about economics and politics right. for a long time.
0: Yeah, uh, really, I've always been that way ever since I was a kid. I've been interested in <clears throat> history, social studies was probably my favorite class when I was in school, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it, I've always been interested to some extent, uh, you know, going through college. Um, get exposed get exposed to some some different ideas um and then you get out in the real world and uh you know you find out gosh government takes a lot of money from from us what does it do with it and sometimes it doesn't do very good stuff with it so uh you know just just throughout my life i've always been somewhat interested i never Earlier, I never would have considered running for elected office. In fact, right. In fact, at a point, I said that I never would ever, why would anyone ever want to do that? Uh-huh. And then I changed my mind.
2: What's the biggest surprise you've had? Like, since you get elected, are right, you like, all right, the government, I'm going to make a difference? Like, what's been the biggest thing? Like, oh, God, that, that <laughs> works that way? That's awful.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if there's been any surprises in that respect uh, because I, I I went in, you know, rather, I um, don't want to say cynical, but I think a realist about how government operates, okay. um, and it does, it does go slow, and there actually is a reason for that. We want accountability, we want transparency, and that sort of thing. Um, seriously, my biggest surprise is how much fun it is, and it, it really is. It's a blast, and I have a lot of fun uh, doing this. I mean, and, you know, you've done a
1: lot of fun things for a living.
0: Yeah, that's th- th- very and true. And this it's is still true. like... But, well, but I also think it's all, everything's what you make of it. Yeah. You know? And if you, if you concentrate, I mean, everybody's, you know, everybody's gonna have issues, we understand that, you know? um, and if you concentrate on that all the time, that's what you're going to – you know. That's how, how are you going to feel about things? But if you, you, know, if you concentrate on the positives and, and, and trying to have an impact and trying to do things, uh, you know, think you're constructive and doing those in the right way, uh, that's what you're you – know, that's how your kind of paradigm uh,
1: emerges, and that's what I try to do. So when, you're, when you decide you're going to run, do you start painstakingly going through your wrestling career to figure out, okay, what clips – are they going to play out of context in commercials that I'm going to have to explain yes, to this county? Well, I mean, yeah, Do you I
2: mean, want your mayor doing this? Yeah. Dropping your leg on someone's throat. Yeah, well. He said you know, your mayor yeah. set a woman on fire.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think, uh, you know, um, Yeah, you worry about that stuff, but I also hope that people are mature enough to understand that that's entertaining.
2: Well, Schwarzenegger got elected, so... Like, right, right, right. And, and the,
0: also, I think, I think the stereotype is... Has changed now, which is a good thing. But yeah, you know, it's always like, uh, you know, someone's going to say this or that, and you did have people saying that. In the end, you just have to, you know, whatever. You it's know, also go, got to be nice too,
1: th- that like, since you're Kane, it's like so super character driven, right, right? That you're like, I'm not the Undertaker's brother. Right. I don't wear a red mask. Right. I, you know, I'm not related <laughs> to Paul Bearer in any way. Like this is this is clearly a yeah, soap opera. I, I, yeah,
0: I always say that, you know. Most politicians are trying to convince people that the politician is the person they see on TV. Mm-hmm. In many cases, I was trying to convince them that I'm not the person. I, that I personally couldn't
3: separate uh, Senator Brutus the Barber Beefcake from regular, <laughs> well, you know, if,
0: if, you, if you come out with uh, with garden shears and you yeah, know, uh, all that stuff, probably how, not. How, how
3: many about, candidates have Undertaker and Rand Paul? on the back That's pretty of the cool.
0: Book. Right?
2: It's, <laughs> <really> cool. <laughs> it's very unique. It's un- unconventional to say the least. Yes, <laughs> and they're both saying the same thing. He hits hard. <laughs> Why libertarian? Like I vote. The first time I ever voted it was, uh, and he wasn't libertarian, but was for Ross Perot because yeah. he was independent and I right. felt like I wanted somebody who wasn't a Democrat or a Republican. Were you always a libertarian or was that like kind of like Bloomberg is now going to run as a Democrat, but he was a Republican in New York where you just kind of yeah. want to make a difference. So whichever. You well,
0: know. I mean, you know, uh, for me, the Republican Party uh, has it's getting better with people like Ryan, Rand Paul, but it kind of left its roots, which was, you know, the pro-freedom, pro-opportunity. Uh, party, And that's really when I talk about libertarianism as a philosophy, and it's a philosophy that people should be able to act freely so long as they're not hurting anyone else. The government should leave them alone. Um, and, you know, I think that most people can relate to that. I was a big fan of Ross Perot, you know, because w- if you look at what Ross Perot was saying fiscally for the country, yeah, you know, he, he called it right. Right. And, you know, at the time, I think we had a little over a trillion dollars in debt, and he's showing these graphs and stuff, and people didn't take it seriously. Well, now we have $23 trillion in debt and a lot of fiscal issues. So, uh, you know, I I was a big fan from the fact that he actually told things like they were and wasn't sugarcoating
2: things. He fell apart a little bit at the end. Yeah, he did, he did. But, you
0: know, he he also, he you know, for better or for worse, he changed some things too, you know, and he really, um, the reason that that we have a lot of the electoral system the way it is now is because of what Perot did and the fact that, you know, the, the two parties, Wanted to make sure that that couldn't happen again that you could have a viable third party candidate
1: there's everybody's got stories uh, about Andre the Giant in wrestling and how he didn't like other giants right because yeah. it, it threatened his spot right. as the giant so when you came into WWE as Kane right and you're and you're there to fight the Undertaker and you're just as big as him and you're this demonic character was there any of that in The Undertaker early on? Like, no, who this he was this guy? No, he was my biggest advocate. He loved it. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, for, for a, a
0: couple different reasons. I mean, we'd already known each other. In fact, our first match had been in Knoxville. I wasn't even in WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd come down and done a match for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, and, uh, you know, so we knew each other. And then also, I think just the fact that uh, Mark's a business guy and he understands that, you know, he, he can draw money. With someone like me, so he was he was the biggest advocate for the character. In fact, I remember once Vince McMahon telling me I was worried about something, and Vince said that uh, Taker had come in. And it didn't this did not relate to him, but I'd mentioned it to Taker, and Vince said, "Yeah, sorry he talked to me about that. And I think he worries more about you than he does himself." So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was always he was always a huge huge advocate of mine.
1: When you're a smart guy, right? As smart as you are, you well, got I don't little... know, man. We well, you know, got a lot so... of information in your <laughs> okay, head, <yeah>. right? <laughs> But character-wise and publicly, you have to do all your talking through a fake voice box to sound like a robot. Does it get frustrating when you're like, I want to be able to communicate yeah, with people? it was.
0: It was. And uh, I was so glad when, when Kane was finally able to talk because also uh, being under the mask and never talking uh, added a lot of mystique and mystery to the character. At the same token, after people have seen it for a while, it gets stale. And you don't have that entertainment value that uh, you, you have if you have that added dimension. Uh, so I was extremely happy when I was able to talk. Uh, and, and the voice box was kind of a trick because um, I, had, I had to use it. You couldn't, if you just used the voice box and, and didn't uh, actually audibly say anything, mm-hmm. audibly, I guess is a word, um, you, you couldn't understand it at all. So I had to figure out the right mix of where I could have my own voice and the modulation of the voice box to make it actually hear what I could say but still have the effect that
2: they wanted. How long is your term as mayor? Four years. So when you're done with that, I know you don't know if you're going to like it like, for full time. But do you want to stay in politics? Just like, like you know, Clint Eastwood did Carmel, California, and then he did mm-hmm. it and then he went back to his other his you know his acting life. Do you want to stay in politics and just a, a get out of wrestling? Totally? And I, I
0: don't know what I want to do seriously. You should um, come
2: back as Mayor Kane. That's the
0: move. <laughs> that would be the most sinister character ever. Yeah. Just 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 strangle the people on po- a tie. Politician <laughs> at WWE, right? Um, no, I seriously don't know. Uh, uh, where where i want to go is mayor is pete
2: inspirational to you like hey this guy's a mayor and all of a sudden he's in the national no, I spotlight
0: mean, here's the thing we we put way too much way too much emphasis on the federal government and we forget how important state and local governments are you know and you guys of course you know that in new york city i mean who you know your, your city government here has a tremendous amount of power and influence over your lives um and for me again going back to libertarian street the federal government's just way too powerful and, you know, I would rather see, I want small government, um, I would much per, you know, what I really want to see is much smaller government at the federal level and more power delegated back to the states and the localities. Now,
2: you know, Rand Paul, you like Rand Paul, you might be able to explain this better because sometimes they report things. He was the guy, the one vote against green lighting, the 9-11, uh, care bill. Right. But... I, I, part of me is like, there's gotta be more to no, it than it, him to yeah. say no.
0: Exactly, what happened was, he was all for it, but he also said, in order to pay for this, we have to determine how we're gonna cut something somewhere else. And, you know, uh, he was all for the bill itself, but he was also for fiscal responsibility. And, of course, what everybody in Washington does is like, oh, we can just we have free money to hand out to everybody. So it wasn't that he was against it. He just said, you know, we're spending way too much money. So let's figure out something else that, that we can that we can cut just like we would in our households so that we can pay for this.
2: But that was they criticized. And again, I'm, I'm not right. going with a personal criticism. I don't know enough about it. But they went after him and said, well, he didn't do that to corporations that were being cut cut billions of dollars Does, is there a reasoning behind that
0: uh, as far as well the tax cuts you know uh it- I would argue, and I, and I can't speak for him, right, right, right. but they had, to, and what they weren't, you know, I, I was all for the tax cuts as well, but they also would have had to have a spending cut, and we didn't see the spending cut. You the tax cuts are always good because they do help keep money in the hands of the private industry. At the same point, uh, you know, the government has to, when you do a tax cut, it's not really a cut if you're funding it through deficit spending, which is what they do. So I would have argued that you need both.
2: Yeah, I just try not to react. Is, yeah. like, cause I read something on Twitter, I'm like, and I'm like eh. Yeah, Wait, that's it's the is,
0: thing, and it's even you know it, it's it's both sides is the thing, and often you know people rail on a Republican for this and they rail on a Democrat for that, and you actually look at it and it's a little more complex than what comes across in you know, what two hundred and forty characters or characters, two hundred three how many two hundred eighty characters on Twitter. It was one
2: forty. Yeah. So I don't I really know my Twitter. Have, uh, Twitter <laughs> it's it's doubled. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so I think 280, right? I'm pushing
2: for 560.
1: Good yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's be, what we need. Right in war and peace before you know <laughs> it over there, man. Yeah. More tweets, right? Yeah. Uh, have guys come up to you um, and talk to you about getting into life outside of wrestling? I mean, you know, because you obviously, for you to make such a successful transition, right? Yeah. That's gotta um, be a big deal to a lot of people that are like, Look, you know, I'm gonna wind down at some point. And at that point, what do I do when, when right. I can't wrestle anymore? I haven't
0: really had anyone come up to me for that per se, but um, you know my advice is always just realize that your wrestling career is not going to last forever mm-hmm. and uh, take care of business and make sure that you've put some money aside uh, and at least have some sort of plan for – Afterwards, I think that plan is going to be different for everybody. I mean, you know, Dwayne Dwayne Johnson got into movies and he's been fairly successful, yeah, but he's yeah. bombing, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think his checking account is, bro. Yeah, exactly. And John Cena, you know, John's uh, getting movies, but John's doing like the more the, the comedy stuff as yeah. opposed to Dwayne's doing the action stuff, yeah. Um, so. What's Doink, Doink the Clown up to? I don't know, actually. That guy,
1: man. was <laughs> that? Doink the Clown. Doink the Clown. Yeah, he was man. a wrestling clown. Yeah. He was exactly as he sounds, actually. <laughs> yes. Doink the Clown. Yeah. Yes. Although, I mean, look, the, you could you could have asked the same thing of what's Isaac Yankum DDS up to these days yeah, and man. you'd yeah. be like, he's actually doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. So. Is he? Yeah. That's what. The, before Kane was Kane, he was the fake Diesel. Yeah. And then before oh, he was the fake Diesel, damn. he was Isaac Yankem. DDS. Yes. See, I, I yeah. tapped
2: out of that whole world after I. i, I Chief Jay Strombo lost his congressional bid. <laughs>
1: Bob Backlund ran
2: for Congress. Too. He did right. He did. He, yes, did. he did. And Stephanie, I mean uh, uh, Vince's wife is. She did get elected, Brenda. right? Yes. She did not know. No, she didn't get
0: elected. Oh, she ran, but, but she, she didn't was, get elected. She was appointed uh, as in, to
1: the head of the small business.
2: Yes, there's a lot of people yeah. in yeah. politics. Jesse
1: All right? Yeah, oh, right, Jesse. He, he was a mayor and then governor. Yeah. I forget him. How do you know, right? So like Kane, obviously one of the most successful wrestling characters of all time. But like we said, it's, it's after a string right. of, 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 it's a hit after a string of misses sure. that you kind of know going in, you're like, okay, I got to make a wrestling dentist work. Okay. I got to make a, <laughs> uh, that was I, my
0: exact reaction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, what's next after this? Okay. I got to make a, a rip off of the most, be- one of the most beloved characters right. of all time. Now I got to make that work. When you go in to do Kane, are you going, finally, this is it? Or are you going, all right, let's see how long this one lasts? No, it's finally, this is it. You knew. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and I would say that
0: the, uh, and how they say that you don't really have mistakes and failures if you learn from them. Yes. And that's kind of what my first experiences really were, was that it gave me the tools that I needed and the experience that I needed to make uh, Kane successful. And frankly, if they did, if I'd have had the Kane character initially, it wouldn't have done what what it did because I just wouldn't have been
1: able to do that. Do you think so. by that context, there is anything you could have done to make the wrestling dentist work? Um, <laughs> not me personally. <laughs> what was I, the wrestling yeah, dentist? He was an, evil,
0: what's, what do you hate? was an evil dentist. Yeah, yeah. Well, who do you hate Here, more than the anything? Here's and you know, it's like other people got really cool like rock guitar riffs, and I got a dental drill, <laughs> right? And it was just, um, that was not a character. This, this is not a pun. Music. I could not sink my teeth into that character. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and but it was also I mean that that was the point where WWE was at just uh, qu- kind of on their theme arc right we have gone very PG at that point and very um, uh, very over the top character driven I want I want to yeah. see so, like an oncologist heal, <laughs> 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 that, and anyway just that's not something that I you know that I felt that I could pull off. Um, but again, I mean I did the best I could with it and then the and next And you're also young and it's your yeah, first young, opportunity. It, so what are you gonna say yeah, no? Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah. and and um and hopefully eventually I knew that if I get my foot in the door it could lead to something better and it finally How did.
2: many years did you wrestle?
0: Man, I started in nineteen ninety or I guess the winter of nineteen ninety one. Oh so, man. Uh, almost thirty years. Was, yeah, you to play,
3: was Kevin Nash pissed when you do the no. diesel? Though, no, because cool no, everyone
0: it? understands it's just it's business. You right, know, it's not like it's you went business. in and yeah. said,
1: hey Vince, why don't you let me yeah. take it? And
0: also we never made fun of, I mean, it was treated as a serious character. It wasn't like we made fun or
2: ridiculed anything. Right. Well, you so, what did you do that was uh, that they're talking about? You it, was, were- it was
0: a copy of another character.
2: Oh, a purposeful copy. Yes. Oh. So
1: yeah, Kevin Nash played this character named Diesel yeah. in WWE. You need to read the book, dude, it's all in there. <laughs> I, I, I literally, <laughs> ju- I got
2: the book literally as you walked Sorry. in and handed me the book.
1: <laughs> Kevin Nash left the company though. And he kind of portrayed oh, the same type of character, okay. but Vince was like, no, I own that character, and I'm going to prove right. that to everybody. Right. And he brought in Mr. Right. Jacobs to go, now you'll play the character, right. which then, is an uphill battle, to say the least. Yeah, it was.
0: But yeah. And, of course, Kevin was doing pretty good. He went to WCW, <laughs> yeah. and he was, he was doing okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't think there was any uh, any hard feelings. And, well, you know, and also, its imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So Right. I don't know. How, How many years you gain? What's How that? many years did you do this one? Uh, Kane started in October of 1997.
2: Do the wrestling fans like
1: my questions? They <laughs> probably think that some of them might be a little obvious. A little rudimentary. Yeah, yeah. a little. The wrestling fans a little mad. I don't know much
2: about wrestling, but we talked to a lot of wrestlers, so I ask questions that they That's cool. The hardcore guys get
1: very mad at me. I mean, it's you ask okay. good questions about Rand Paul. You ask questions like a human yeah. being. I don't think there's... But, but yeah, there but are... the wrestling hard, questions. Hardcore wrestling fans do get upset. But sometimes Jim plays into that. We had Nikki Bella in here. And uh, he asked her if John Cena was a wrestler, just to upset <laughs> just to people. Annoy the bear. Yeah, yeah. Just, the just, to, bear. just to get people upset. Poke the bear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was the of all the things that you did as Kane? What was the kind of? Uh, I don't know if I can pull this one off because you did like, I mean, some of the stuff that you wouldn't think becomes iconic, like you saying "suck it" into a voice modulator, is <laughs> become this like iconic. Piece of tape, yeah. right? Like, what what would you say the thing as Kane that you did is the most? Sort of- you know, I I don't know. There's you know, there's there's favorite stuff
0: and not so favorite stuff, and yes. I try to kind of forget about the favorite stuff, not so favorite stuff, um, and, and when you've had. Yeah, a 20-some year career, there's always going
3: well, to be
1: stuff. When they come but, to you and they say, we want you to be in a match where the loser, the only way to lose the match is to be set on fire. Yeah. and you're I gonna... really wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh,
0: so, the uh, uh, everybody remembers, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a little wrestling history lesson here. So, at King of the Ring 1998, uh, Undertaker and Mick Foley have the Hell in the Cell match where Mick goes flying off the cell. You know that, match. Of course I do, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever he forgets, I was is,
2: supposed to be there.
0: <laughs> I, I won my first world championship that night uh, against Stone Cold Steve Austin, and at the end of the match, what was supposed to happen and what eventually did happen was Mick Foley comes out and interferes, and Undertaker comes out and interferes, and that allows me to win. Uh, when Mick went through the top of the cage, uh, he you know he was he he was he was in a not very good way yeah and i'll never forget this because my st- the stipulation of the match was if i didn't win i would set myself on fire right <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know was a yeah, wild and, time. And, and, i really and, and, needed
3: you to not fall yeah, through the cage. exactly so mick
0: is laying out there crumbled a heap and i'm really i mean Mick's my buddy i mean i was really we're all concerned i'm like oh man and he starts moving and like, oh, it looks like he's okay and then vince looks at me he's like you're gonna f- have to figure out what we're gonna do in case he can't come back out and i'm like First of all, I'm like, me? You got all these people around, you know, all these riders and stuff. Why look at me? And then, second thought was, oh my God, if... <laughs> I got to figure out a way I can win, or this, this is going to be very short lived. Albeit spectacular ending, but, you know, I'm going to have to set myself on fire. I don't think I can do that one. Right. So. <laughs> how, do
3: you, how do you set yourself on fire? Obviously well, it's not real, yeah.
0: But. Now, um, and, and we had some in, uh, Inferno matches where we, we did do uh, stunts that included burns. Uh, Damn. And that, that, so we'd have Hollywood stunt coordinators come out and help
2: us. Were with you really stuff. getting burned or No.
0: Uh, the, yeah, the mishaps Hollywood. happen, yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I I, never got seriously injured because, you know, uh, we took the proper precautions. Um, but, but nevertheless, you're de- you are dealing in a, in a dangerous environment.
1: Yeah, you still got to walk yeah. out of an arena with an arm right. in flames. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you're not exactly, you haven't spent your life training to be a no, stuntman. No, exactly. Right. And,
0: and that's what's so unique about WWE is the fact that one second you're in a match, the next second you're doing a promo, the next second you might be on fire. <laughs> yeah. You have to be able to keep all of that stuff going at the same time time, and it's it's really it's the ultimate multitasking.
1: Does that lifestyle prepare you for like I feel like even entering into politics or whatever you enter into, when you spend that much time in WWE, you're just in this mind state where whatever gets thrown at you, you just learn how to deal with it, make the most of it, and move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah, that that's true. I, I've actually not really thought about that before. Yeah, but that's a great point. Is you have to be very adaptable because yeah. we do so many different things. But also, I mean, I've had. Tons of media training. I've dealt with media now for going on 30 years. Um, A lot of uh, basically team building and and, uh, backstage politics, and there's a lot of that. Uh, So it it probably did prepare me pretty well. And, yes, the adaptability and uh, thinking basically I'm going to have to fake it until I make it, uh, it, It's yeah, you have to do that.
1: Hey, guys, we'll get back to what we're doing in a minute, but I want to tell you that 2020 is going to bring a content initiative to everything that is Not Sam. Of course, you hear a lot of stuff on this podcast, wrestling interviews every week, as well as hot takes in that state of wrestling. All that video is going to be available in one beautiful, magical place for free, and that's youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. Of course, you want access to absolutely everything, and you want it first, got to be on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. But... The video home of everything that we do on this podcast will be youtube.com slash wrestling. You can go there now. You can see the interviews we've done with Matt Tremont. You can see the interviews with Kane Velasquez and Rey Mysterio. You can see our last interview with Corey Graves with Triple H, the Kane interview that you're listening to today. That video will be at youtube.com slash wrestling, as well as the content that I'm making here in the not Sam studio. There's a video up right now. Now with me talking about CM Punk, John Morrison talk from Thursday's show up at YouTube.com Sam NotSamWrestling. It's something that you can do to support this show and this brand as we move forward. Go to YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Hit that subscribe button. It costs you nothing and does me a world of good. YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Hit the subscribe button. Watch all those videos. Let those minutes accumulate, and let's get back to the show. When
2: you say media training, do you do you mean like official media training? Like what what do they tell you in media training? I know people go through it and mm-hmm. it helps. What do they say? Like, You've what, never
1: been like- media trained, Jim. <laughs> no, I mean I literally
2: just kind of—it's just so natural for me. Uh, it was a gift. But what do they say? It to you? was a gift. <laughs> so humble and yeah. modest. I, you That's know right. what am going to say? They just, Jim, you just move people. What, what is media training like? Will they uh, they say avoid this, or if they ask yeah. you this, how do they train you?
0: Yeah, I mean it is a lot of that. Uh, learning to speak in sound bites, learning to get the information. Across and that sort of thing, learning how to deal sometimes with a hostile interviewer, speaking um, in sound bites. Yes, yeah, and everybody does. I mean, that's that's the what we just say about Twitter, right? right? I mean, that's what you have to do nowadays because you're only going to be on if you're on camera saying in a in a segment. Most cases, you're not going to be on with a half an hour interview. It's going to be fifteen seconds, maybe even five seconds. How
2: long is a sound bite? They tell you is, is it like you, just you want one, to do one sentence? Like Ten seconds. I
3: love oh, that they tell you you might have a hostile interviewer. Also, we might light you on fire sometimes. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, you can deal with it <laughs> exactly. (laughs)
0: exactly you know yeah how how do you deal with you know because basically context means everything right Right. and you know how do you deal with someone who who wants to take something that you're gonna say completely out of context and and wrap it around
2: make it hard for them to do that with a soundbite. right exactly
0: exactly I mean you say specifically what you want to say and say it in a way that it can't be twisted right so it's just that sort of stuff and also just learning to be comfortable I mean stuff like you know when you go on uh, camera you button your jacket because that's what looks good and all those sort of things
2: do you like the president You know,
0: um, I think I'm like, well, not like everyone. I I like some things and there's other things that I don't, you know. Um, I think the one thing that that really, the overall thing is he's genuine in his own way, right? I mean, whether you like him or hate him. uh, So is Ted Bundy. Yeah, but but he's not, I mean, he's not out there and I think people are tired of the, uh, you know they're tired of the career of politicians and people just tell yep. them what they want to hear, um, so you know that in that respect, I, I think that he could be a lot more diplomatic about a lot of things that he says. And I think that his Twitter account, uh, you know, uh, uh, his uh, sometimes you know, it's one of those deals is like, dude, you don't need to put that out on Twitter. That sometimes I think he it. should
3: get that voice box. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you not like yeah. him? Of course not. I mean, he's a, he's a buffoon. I think,
3: but you know.
2: I think, the, I I don't dislike him. I mean, uh, there's things he does I don't like, but I, I think you're right. Like, there's something about it that's refreshing, even if he's wrong about things, that bothers people. At least yeah. he's saying what he wants to say, and he's not giving me the answer that I know I'm gonna get from everyone Yeah, and, and,
0: and in the end, that's, you know, uh, I think that's also why he won the race. Yeah. That's why he became president, because even though people uh, maybe didn't like a lot of stuff, they also realized, well, at least this is him, and the alternative is just the same old same. Just old.
2: another guy telling me the same thing politely. Yeah, right. it's frustrating. What do you
0: right. think of Andrew Yang? Um, I, 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 he's another guy. I like some of his stuff. Other stuff. I mean, you know. Dude, you just can't give people money. I mean, damn it. Sorry, you that's, know, and, really that's what I said. Floor. But
2: Sam, yeah. <laughs> who's very, very notoriously cheap, wants people to just hand him money. I would like but, the money, but <laughs> I like that acknowledgement. The fact that he's,
0: you know, he's he's a he's a great entrepreneur and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just some of his some of his financial and fiscal policies, economic policies. I'm like, dude, that's you know, we we don't need to be doing that. If you want to give people money, you need to cut taxes and cut spending so they can keep
2: more of their own money. Right. Do you think our troops should be like uh, in Saudi Arabia and all these other countries? No.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, okay. Our men and women—they uh, should not be put in harm's way, uh, except as a last resort. Uh, Afghanistan has been—you know—some of the people that are serving in Afghanistan weren't alive when that war began. Right. Yeah. And it needed to have—it uh, needed to have—you know—a definite goal, and when it's achieved, they need to come home. And we can't afford to be the world's policeman. And you know, we have. Um, all in all, we spend about a trillion dollars on national defense by the time you take everything into account. And that's way too much money. And, and again, my dad is a 21-year military veteran. He served in both Korea and Vietnam. And it, I think we're just doing our, our folks in the military disservice when we send them places and keep them there forever, and they end up not Not necessarily protecting America, but being the world's policeman. That's not what they're there for. Isn't it
2: funny when Hillary, like, says something, like, you don't have to like Tulsi Gabbard, but to say she's a Russian agent when she actually served and went to war. Right, right. and and I have a
0: lot of respect for Tulsi. Uh, She would, I I think, another one, I don't agree with her uh, economic policies, but uh, I do agree with with, uh, her when she comes to what she says about foreign policy. And, and again, um, it's amazing that she's attacked for that. Right. And she is the one person who you know, she serves in the military. Her uh, and so I how, think Pete did too. Yeah. So yeah. How, how, well, it seems like a lot of these people actually served that? a very anti-war. Right? Well, because yeah. they they understand and they've seen. We've you know, seen They're not, they're not, yeah. they're not <laughs> We've seen
1: it. Did you say we've seen it? <laughs> Why um, did you say that? Stolen dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they're not
0: not—they're not politicians. They can actually relate to the men and women who are serving our country. Right. And yeah. uh, they respect that. And unfortunately, I think a lot of politicians give that lip service. But I don't think they have that level of, of actual um, inherent respect that our men and women in uniform do.
1: How do the uh, people of the—you're mayor of Knox County, right? How do the people of Knox County feel when they see their mayor— on Monday Night Raw, because you're not there. Obviously, you're not wrestling, kind of actively every week anymore. But just a few weeks ago, yeah, I won the you... 24/7 championship. <laughs> right. I, I think I've never most
3: have seen people... De Blasio choke slam anyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think most people think it's cool because, uh,
1: you know, it, it it highlights highlights our area. I mean, I think just having a having a mayor of your town that can still pull off wearing spandexes you know, <laughs> most mayors can't do that. That, that, you know, that would cause happen. me to vote for somebody. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That's exactly right. So, wrestling fans have seen Kane start off as you know Kane, the Demon, the Undertaker's brother. Then you went into this this. Monster, the voice box, the unmasking with half of a shaved head, very quickly into the full shaved head, which is I'm sure your call. (laughs) Um, uh, I mean, into Kane, the kind of corporate weaselly guy, corporate Kane. (laughs) Do you have a favorite era into Kane that now wrestles in a wig Kane? Yes. Do you have a favorite era of Kane to portray? There are two. It's, the original, the first one, the
0: first yes. incarnation in, in 1997 through 1998. And then also with Daniel Bryan, his team he'll know. Uh, and Because those are about as far apart as you can get. You have yeah. one, the, the dark, mysterious character, and then the other one, the funny comic relief on the show.
1: They had uh, the devil's favorite demon go to anger management yes, classes to great. work out better as yeah. a tag team. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, was, it was great. That's funny. Uh, but I think if you'd
0: asked people in uh, in... You know, 19, like the year 2000 or a little earlier than that, um, that you're telling them Kane's going to be the comedic relief on the show right people would have been looked at you like are nuts yeah uh, so it was just it was fulfilling for me to be able to pull that off and then also hopefully i show people that and you know, i have some versatility as a performer
1: well you've made a lot work in wrestling you've made now a lot work in politics and let's plug his book signing yeah too, yeah. yeah this the, is uh the book is by the way mayor kane my life in wrestling and politics of course by glenn jacobs and yet yeah, you're doing a signing yep be it be it uh, bookends, it's over
0: in Ridgewood. I'll it's be a great place. Yeah. man, I was so was cool. I was checking out their Facebook, and yeah, they've they've had some really cool people. Carly Simon did a book sign over yeah. there recently. Yeah, I think know. Clinton
2: did it. Yeah. Uh, it's an independent bookstore. It's really yeah, nice. Carly
0: Simon's cooler though, man. They've had some really they've had some really cool people over there. I just I'm like the idea of
1: Kane it. rocking out to Carly Simon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, time.
2: you're yeah.
1: so vain. <laughs> <laughs> What's he saying. Bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey tonight, 6 p.m. You can go. You can get a signed copy of Mayor Kane. You can also get signed copies of Mayor Kane on uh, Barnes and Noble's Books a Million and Premier Collectibles website. So if you're not in Ridgewood, you get your signed copies there. But if you're anywhere near Ridgewood. Look, this guy's the mayor's now. You don't have that much time to be doing signings all over the place. That's right. Take that's advantage. Right. <laughs> get out there. Congrats we'll on your the book, man. Sign.
2: He'll take at least five to ten minutes with each person and talk wrestling,
1: <laughs> <laughs> wrestling politics, the whole thing. Well, It'll be great. Uh, yeah, and
0: and, and uh, I hope everybody does come out tonight. I'd love to talk with everyone. I don't know if I can give them five <laughs> or ten minutes, uh, but you know, hopefully, I have a big turnout. But nevertheless, and I, I I just hope that people enjoy the book. Yeah, you know, and. Um, That that's my main thing. Is just they're entertained, and maybe in some cases, you know, maybe they uh, come away with some tidbits of stuff that they didn't
2: know before. Well, the book is a book sign. It's fun to do it. You go, you get the book sign. You get to say at least hello to the person who you
1: like. And the book chronicles everything. Like your career is so great because you're such a multi generational performer. That like I was talking to Sam Morril, who hasn't watched wrestling in forever. He watched wrestling when he was a kid, and that meant that it could be yeah. Isaac Yacum. it could be Kane showing up yeah. in '97. You know, what's be- really
0: wild, man, is that I haven't—you know—I've I'd, I'd done, like I said, the occasional bit on TV, but pretty much for two years, I have—I haven't been on TV much. I get recognized more now than I ever have, and it, a lot of it's because of the Attitude Era in WWE. But I'll tell you that the coolest thing ever is when someone comes up to me and just shakes my hand and says thank you for years of entertainment i mean that's just the most awesome thing that's so gratifying yeah that's yeah. really cool
1: well congrats on everything yes, mayor thank you. glenn you. uh yeah we'll see you next time you're in new york sam Morel, oh, cleveland yeah. this weekend
2: yeah man friday saturday hilarities i'll be at caroline's 12 13 14 and uh, that's it thanks for coming in Both love keys. it
1: yeah thank you man we'll see you guys later goodbye right, Bye. Guys. it's now time
2: for this week's state
1: of wrestling So let's get into it. State of wrestling time. Again, thanks to Kane for coming by the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts Show and for allowing us the time that would allow us to then share it right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Don't forget, Thursday we'll be back. So make sure you're emailing notsamwrestling at gmail.com sending all those questions, topics, things that you want opined on on the Thursday Not Sam Thursday edition uh, right here on the podcast. Let's get into before we get into the uh, news items, because here's here's what we'll do: we'll do news items throughout the weekend. We'll get into what's been announced for RAW, but before we get there, why don't we talk about SmackDown? The nearest thing that has happened since we last left you here on Not Sam Wrestling. Um, so there were some highlights to SmackDown. This was a little highlight, but I thought Mandy Rose tearing off Alexa Bliss's fake. Uh, eyelash was awesome I don't understand I mean I actually liked it back in the day like and maybe it was because uh, the beauticians were not as I mean I don't want to take a shot at any of the beauticians but I don't know back in the day in NXT right when NXT was first starting to do road shows they were first starting to really develop as a brand that existed outside of full sale and a couple little you know armories in Florida when they started to create a real presence on the WWE Network, when Finn Balor was a star, when the women's division started coming up for the first time, when they first started to do those live shows, they did the first one in like Philly, and they did that weekend where they ended in, I think like Albany maybe. Um, You would see hair extensions in the ring all the time, and it's a little thing, but I preferred when you would see hair extensions in the ring. I mean, you know, I never understood why, like if Kane, you know, we go back to Kane, if he was wearing a wig, why wasn't his fake hair ever torn out of his mask? Like, why aren't they fighting to that extent? Every now and then, one of the things that made the Eddie guerrero Rey Mysterio match at Halloween Havoc, which, you know, as we wind down 2019 and we start to talk about like what the biggest things that happened this year and this decade were— uh, you talk about the 1990s, and that match gets lost. The Halloween Havoc Eddie Guerrero, uh, Rey Mysterio match gets lost because of all the stuff that happened in the 90s. But that was one of, if not the best matches of that decade to me. Um, and I loved that Eddie comes. I mean, that Ray comes in with his mask attached to his outfit. It's like you know, it's, it's it almost looks like it's one piece. He's dressed like the Phantom, and his mask ends up getting torn. And that had happened previously to that. And that's happened many times since then. But I like the idea that the mask gets torn. I like the idea that why wouldn't, man or woman, if you're out there wrestling in fake eyelashes, why wouldn't those eyelashes come into play? Why wouldn't they get torn off? And I like, I think Corey Graves did a good job. I think it was Corey Graves uh, of talking about how humiliating it was. Like, we didn't make it seem like, oh, because, uh, because Mandy Rose is doing it, it's really painful to have fake eyelashes ripped off. Like every no, of course it's not painful, but it's humiliating. You're on a television show. You got the whole world watching you, and somebody's tearing off your fake eyelashes. And I think if you come to the ring with fake eyelashes on, there should be a bad guy ready to take them off. So I hope there's more of that. I hope hair extensions get pulled out. You know, I you know I I, I never understood why Erwin R. Scheister didn't get his tie ripped off more often. Or it's suspenders ripped down more often? You know what I mean? Anything that could be an advantage. I guess back then, there wasn't quite as much realism involved because one of the bad guy wrestlers was a tax attorney in his downtime. So, you know, maybe there's not as much realism there. However, I think moving forward, we've gotten into a period where there is much more realism. So if somebody were to wrestle in a tie, for example, today, that should get ripped off. So I love seeing that fake eyelash get ripped off. I thought it was different. I thought it's something I've been waiting for. I thought it was something that felt uh, real. All the Bray Wyatt Miz stuff was terrific. You know, I I think, and we talked about it on uh, Thursday, not Sam Thursday, that it was kind of a foregone conclusion that Daniel Bryan and The Fiend would have another match at TLC, especially based on what happened last week on SmackDown. But... And this is where storytelling gets good that you sometimes don't even know that a story is being told to you until we get there. I don't think, there was some rumbling about The Miz and The Fiend, The Miz and Bray Wyatt having a match at some point. But at Survivor Series, I think it was really, I think the Survivor Series was the first time that The Miz came to Daniel Bryan and we saw it on television and said, look, I know we don't get along, but The Fiend, he changes people. I don't know if you want to do this, blah, 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 blah. You didn't realize—I mean, it was, like, interesting, but you thought it was just a little spice. And maybe you didn't. Maybe you're smarter than I am. I thought it was just a little spice being sprinkled onto the Daniel Bryan Bray Wyatt story. What I didn't realize is it was a story that was taking a turn, where, of course, Bray Wyatt's going to see that. Of course, this is going to play in. And now we've got this question— where we watched the way SmackDown goes off the air last week, where Daniel Bryan gets sucked into the pits of hell that The Fiend comes from, which are directly located under the WWE ring, whatever arena they're at, anywhere in the world. So he gets sucked down into the pits of hell, and a lot of his hair gets strewn about. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bald Daniel Bryan return, which I think would be a fun look for him. You know, change it up a little bit. It's wild. Uh, I think that uh, we don't know right now if Daniel Bryan is going to be on the side of The Miz or The Fiend. You know, there are spe- there's reference being made. You know, Bray Wyatt, when he's in the Firefly Funhouse, and he's talking about family and The Miz's family, he brings up family, and you go back to shots of The Wyatts. This is what's so great about The Fiend, is that it's not like they took Wyndham Rotunda as Bray Wyatt, and they took him off TV, and they brought him back as a new character. This Bray Wyatt that we're seeing is the same Bray Wyatt. This is the Bray Wyatt that had the Hawaiian shirt. This is the Bray Wyatt that sat in the rocking chair. This is the Bray Wyatt that was hanging out with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, who's got a mystery cage now, and Braun Strowman, who's one of the top good guys. We are not erasing history. And that's something that happens in wrestling a lot. And I love it when you kind of come to this realization that it's not happening. When you come to this realization that... History is not only not being erased, but being very, very subtly acknowledged as we move forward. It's not defining what the storyline is moving forward, but it is part of it. Like it should be in any great uh, form of storytelling. I think that the fact that The Miz has gone on TV because people go like, oh, you think it's going too far, that you're now not only involving Maurice, but you're involving The Miz's kids. Look, I think that the minute... Mike Mazzanin goes on Raw to announce that he and Maurice are pregnant. I think the minute that you start a reality show where you've got your kids involved in the reality show, if that's the decision you want to make, more power to you, but you have just officially introduced your whole real-life family into the narrative world that we as fans watch of the WWE. Therefore, my non-action figure fell down, fell down. Therefore... The Miz and his entire family are free-range for storylines. I think that it's not something that should come up all that often. I think it should be used rarely because it can be very, very strong. You know, you don't mess with a man's family, right? So, and I think that that's what's going on. I think that the, the family thing should be reserved for somebody like The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Now, I think we move on to something even more interesting, which is you watch SmackDown this week. And you saw Bray Wyatt, sweater Bray Wyatt. Some people say sweater vest or cardigan. Like, he's got sleeves on. And it's just a sweater. Just because he's got a shirt under his sweater doesn't make it a cardigan. But sweatered Bray Wyatt, funhouse Bray Wyatt, got physical for the first time. It was funhouse Bray Wyatt that dropped The Miz with the sister Abigail. And apparently, the match at TLC will, number one, not be a Universal Championship match. They haven't announced it as such, unless they change that. And as of right now, you look at the match graphics, you look at the verbiage that's been used, it's The Miz versus Bray Wyatt. It's not The Miz versus The Fiend. So, and it'll be the first time since The Return, since The Fiend Bray Wyatt debuted, that we've ever seen Funhouse Bray Wyatt in a ring. What pants is he going to be wearing is my question. We saw Funhouse Bray Wyatt wearing jeans on SmackDown. Is he going to wrestle in jeans? I don't think so. Usually we see Funhouse Bray Wyatt in the Funhouse with like a desk. We see him from the waist up. Blue jeans are not the type of pants. Like Mr. Rogers would never wear blue jeans. The lady, whatever her name was from Lamb Chops Play Along, I don't think she would ever wear blue jeans. I think that Bray should have a pair of chinos on in that match. You know, call me crazy, but I think for the integrity of the Bray Wyatt character, I think chinos are a must. Maybe you get some nice tight ones so Bray can show up, because Bray is clearly been lifting up houses. I mean, the entire time that Bray Wyatt was off WWE TV, he was just lifting extremely heavy weights because the physical transformation that man has gone through cannot be understated. It is no surprise to me that he wants to do the muscle man dance as often as humanly possible because his shoulders are about seven feet across and his waist is three. It's incredible. You talk about a pyramid shaped man. I've never seen anything like it. Like Bray. So he probably wants to wear some tight chinos, number one, to show off those quads, because I'm sure he hasn't been skipping leg days. But number two, because if you notice, he wears those tight striped, vertically striped pants when he's the fiend. And it slims down the lower half of his body and makes the upper half of his body look huge. I don't know if jeans are going to do that. He's got to lose the jeans. (laughs) Did you think this would be the angle that I was going in? talking about uh, Bray Wyatt, Funhouse Bray Wyatt's pants. Um, I also think that it saves us from a couple things. Number one, The Miz... Oh, my headphones just went out. I thought it was the mic for a second. Mm -hmm. Number one, The Miz specifically saying, you shouldn't wrestle The Fiend. The Fiend changes people. Like, if The Miz is telling Daniel Bryan not to wrestle The Fiend, it makes it tough for The Miz to then turn around and go like, but I'll do it. He insulted my family. You know, the fact that we can now save it as, well, Bray Wyatt did it means the Miz doesn't have to go back on all the stuff he was warning Daniel Bryan not to do. And he can then go forward with the storyline without that complication being a part of it, which I like. I think that that's smart. Also, I personally, and forgive me for insulting the Miz, which I'm prone to do from time to time. I don't think The Miz uh, has earned a match with The Fiend. I think The Fiend is one of, if not the top stars in the WWE. And The Miz has had a 2019, I mean, from hell. Nobody really talks about it, but The Miz is 2019. The Miz had this incredible 2017. 2017 was the year of The Miz, in my opinion. It was the best year of his career by far. It was incredible, for it. The 2017 was so good for The Miz that he was able to power through 2018 on the power of 2017. And 2018 was still fine. You know, 2018 was still good. 2019's been awful. He lost the tag titles that he won with Shane McMahon. He and Shane lost those tag titles at the Royal Rumble. He has not won a significant match since the Royal Rumble 2019. Nothing on pay-per-view. I mean, he lost both Shane McMahon matches. He gave up his SummerSlam match to Goldberg just because. He's nowhere near any storyline. He's had some Miz TVs with some really good guests. That's it. So, you know, I don't, I don't think the Miz has earned a match with The Fiend. And I don't think he's going to be able to beat Bray Wyatt. So there you have it. Now, I do think that this would be a wonderful opportunity for a couple of things. Number one, to have a new Daniel Bryan debut. And I do think that we're going to go back to Daniel Bryan being in tandem with The Fiend. You know, I I do think that we're going to see Daniel Bryan with a shaved head, uh, probably keep the beard, have a shaved head, And I think he's going to be there to help The Fiend. I think we're going to go back to Daniel Bryan joins the Wyatt family story, but kind of spice it up and modernize it going into 2020. Um, I also think, and I don't know if you can do both. I think it's one or the other. I think that maybe this one, you remember on SmackDown, like it might've been the first or the second SmackDown on Fox. They did a thing where The Fiend sucked Seth Rollins under the ring, I know everybody wants to forget about the Seth Rollins-Fiend feud, but they did a thing where The Fiend sucks Seth Rollins under the ring, and then he was instantly on the stage of SmackDown, and it felt like it was too quick, that a person couldn't move that quick. I kind of like the idea of having The Fiend show up somewhere visibly in the arena while Bray Wyatt is in the ring. And have The Miz go like, what? What the hell is going on? Like, I guess you could do both. I guess what I would do is I would have the Fiend, I'd have the Miz uh, give his uh, his finisher to Bray. And Bray Wyatt's knocked out. Then, boom, 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 boom. ah, 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 ah. The Fiend shows up in the entranceway. The Miz is looking at the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, like, what the hell? I have the real Bray Wyatt in the ring. Who's this Fiend? And then all of a sudden from behind... Daniel Bryan attacks The Miz. Something like that, I think, would be cool. You could do a thing where, I mean, you could have The Fiend come out and attack The Miz and then take his mask off to reveal it's Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan is not the same size as The Fiend at all. You would know as soon as he came out, that's clearly not The Fiend. His jacket is too big. So I think the best thing you can do is get a fake Fiend to show up in the entranceway, distract The Miz, then shave and head Daniel Bryan Comes out to help Beelzebub, Bray Wyatt beat Miz and get the, and then, you know, the referee comes too because he's unconscious for whatever reason. Um, I don't know, but we have about a week, less than a week now, six days uh, as the day this podcast comes out before TLC. Your, Your match is Bray Wyatt and the Miz. It's not, so you do, you have a pay per view with no Universal title match and no WWE title match. That's risky. Uh, you do have Miz versus Bray Wyatt, of course, which is a big one. You've got New Day versus, uh, uh, the Revival, which I don't know if we really had to have a four-team elimination match to figure out the the Revival were the ones getting the title shots. I kind of knew from the beginning, well, yeah, of course it should be the Revival. Uh, and then you have Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. It was long rumored that this would be a dog collar match, which I don't really have a problem with. But it will not be a dog collar match. It will be a traditional TLC match. Tables, ladders, and chairs. I don't know what they're going to hang. Maybe a can of dog food from the roof of the building. uh, Or maybe they'll just do pinfalls and have tables, ladders, and chairs strewn about the ring. I think that this will not be, obviously, an aerial assault type TLC match. I think it will more be the type of TLC match where you got two big dogs slamming each other with furniture. And I'm interested in seeing the match. Roman Reigns, I think, as I've said on SmackDown, I enjoy SmackDown. I think Roman has been better on SmackDown than he has been in a long time. And I think that it should be brought up that Roman is not getting the boos that he once got. When you watch SmackDown, Roman gets cheered when he comes out because he is the man. And Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler get booed. If you watch SmackDown, those audiences far more often than not are cheering the good guy and booing the bad guy, which I think leans to effective storytelling. I believe that after TLC, we should just make a declaration that we can never make reference to the big dog again. No more dog jokes, puns, visual jokes, audio cues, nothing. No more dog references to Roman Reigns after TLC. We get it. We get it. No dog mascots, no chihuahuas yipping, no dog references to Roman Reigns. He can still call himself the big dog, but we're all going to understand the minute TLC is over that he is not literally calling himself a dog. We don't need to make any more literal dog references. It's enough. The the, the way SmackDown ended with the dog food thing, I was like, oh, okay, another dog reference. The only shining light on that was the fact that if you watch Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin and whoever that mystery man was under the ring grabbing Roman Reigns' feet, I don't know who the security guard was that decided to dive under the ring and grab him by his ankles, but good on you. You talk about people that will go above and beyond. That is that guy. I think the only shining moment of that dog food segment was that, uh, uh, The commitment that you could see on the face of Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin. Man, did they take an idea that was not the greatest idea in the world and turn it into as much as they could have. I watched SmackDown and I believed that Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler badly wanted Roman Reigns covered, smeared, eating dog food. Baron Corbin was mashing it all in Roman Reigns' beautifully conditioned hair, Dolph Ziggler shoving it down his mouth. Look, on paper, I'm going to sit there and say, we don't need to do another dog segment. Randomly having cans of dog food under the ring is weird. You start getting into the visual of, of Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler opening cans of dog food before SmackDown. While everybody's around, they're just sitting there like crouched down next to the ring with their can openers and their dog food and their big AMP bag. And they're sitting there opening their cans of dog food and hiding it under the ring. Like, if you're an adult and you're a pro wrestler, you would have to think that realistically speaking, if you and your friends are in your late 20s, and let's be honest, early to mid 30s, and you're sitting there opening up cans of dog food and putting him under the ring, at some point, somebody's going to say, guys, this is stupid. What the hell are we doing? Why don't we just injure him? Hey, what if we took all the effort that we're going to to smear dog food all over him and just break his ankle before the pay-per-view? Wouldn't that be more effective? No, bro, we're going to do the dog food thing. No way, dude. I don't know if it's Baron Corbin that's guiding them down the food path, or if it's Dolph Ziggler, or maybe it's Bobby Roode piping in going, no, no, no. Injuring the ankle will never work. You got to handcuff him and smear dog food all over him. Be much better going into the pay-per-view that way. I don't know. I don't know whose idea it was. But when I visualize that team opening cans of dog food at ringside before SmackDown and then hiding them under the ring and nobody sitting there going, why are we doing this? I laugh. It makes me laugh. I think it's funny. But like I said, Ziggler and Corbin committed 100% of themselves to that bit. A hundred percent. I looked at the faces of Ziggler and Corbin and I said, Hey, there go two guys that really want Roman Reigns covered in dog food. So good for them, man. Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin are the type of guys that you want on your team. Here's the mission that we have. I aye, aye, Captain, and they go out and they complete the mission to their best of their abilities. Way to go, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler, huh? Way to go. Uh, let's talk about some of the news items that popped up uh, over the weekend. Uh, We have comings and goings in WWE. Uh, A couple of days ago, uh, they announced who the newest uh, Performance Center tryout class was. And, you know, we've had Dalton Castle on this podcast a couple times now. He's been here in the Not Sam studio. I've had him on a live show. I love talking to him. I think he's an entertaining guy. I love seeing what he does in Ring of Honor. Um, I was looking at the photos of the people Going to the performance center right now. And they were like, well, here's these two twins. That are, you know, independent wrestlers. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's a good, you know, to get to get two twins, two good looking guys. That are twins and they're a team. And they're, I'm like, yeah, they're, there could be some... Wait a minute. I know those faces. I have got to find out how Dalton Castle feels about the fact that the boys. Made it to the performance center before he did. So Dalton Castle really created this uh, when Dalton Castle the gimmick was first created I love the beginning of Dalton Castle because it was this like hyper sexual glam rock you know weird disco 70s drug infused party creature of a wrestler that would come out in these flamboyant bodysuits and these big wings on him, and he wouldn't be sitting there you know, going after the women, he wouldn't be he'd be going after the boys. And he never declared that it was a sexual thing. You never it was just this it was a lot of innuendo and a lot up in the air. I mean androgynous. Probably a good word for the original Dalton Castle character. But he had these boys that would travel with him everywhere. And they'd wear little uh uh little Zorro masks, like uh like the Kubrick movie. Eyes wide shut, and they'd fan him with these big feather fans, and they'd make themselves into stairs so Dalton Castle could get in the ring. they make themselves into a human chair so Dalton Castle could have a seat after his match. Whatever Dalton Castle needed, the boys were there to take care of it. And now, the boys are at the WWE Performance Center. So, I would imagine you'll hear more from them. There's... Uh, Small guys, so maybe 205 Live, who knows, maybe NXT, maybe maybe they'll be on Raw, maybe they'll be the Tag Team Champions, who knows. But the boys have made it to the Performance Center, so I'm happy for them and the entire Dalton Castle family. Uh, Those are the comings. The goings is that apparently, right before I sat down to record this on a Sunday, uh, Sin Cara, has officially been granted his release from WWE. You remember, uh, Sin Cara was one of the many who announced publicly that they had requested their release. Uh, I think Ty Dillinger was the first one to do it, and he got his release. Luke Harper requested his release. He's in purgatory. Uh, Mike Canales requested his release. Purgatory. Sin Cara requested his release. Purgatory for a little bit, and now it's been given. So a few things to talk about here. Number one, it's the second time Sin Cara has actually been released. You know, the original Sin Cara, uh, Mystico, he was released, uh, in, in one of those sort of mass releases where, you know, everybody goes, uh, at once. They, you know, get rid of like six or seven guys and just trim the fat, I think. Uh, but you know, he was one of those guys that it just, I think he was, he was triple H's, One of his first projects, before NXT was really a thing, back when, way before Sami Zayn or Finn Balor or Kevin Owens or any of those guys, Sin Cara was one of the first guys that, and, and, you know, that was at a time when people would make a name for themselves, but it was almost bad. Like, if you made too much of a name for yourself, and this is ironic, you never hear about this today, but it wasn't that long ago. It was less than 10 years ago that if you made a real name for yourself on the independents outside of WWE, it almost lessened your chances of getting to WWE. And if you did get to WWE, you would disappear for a while and come back in a completely new form. Seth Rollins did not debut in WWE until everybody had forgotten about Tyler Black. And I don't mean everybody had forgotten. Obviously, we still remember Tyler Black, but you know what I mean. Like when Seth Rollins debuted, it was as if it was a new character, not Tyler Black is here. Same thing with Dean Ambrose. John Moxley was for they, they. John Moxley had his last match and he disappeared for a long time before Dean Ambrose popped up. Now, even when they change the names, they pop up right away. It's very very similar. And sometimes the names aren't changed. Kevin Owens, everybody knew that was Kevin Steen. Finn Balor, you know, Devitt, you know, the whole thing. Then you've got Shinsuke Nakamura. You got AJ Styles. You got all these Samoa Joe. Now, if you can create a buzz, WWE does bring you in, but back then, it didn't happen so often. So, Sin Cara was one of the first people that that happened for. And it just didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Uh, You know, I think that Sin Cara didn't end up adapting too much to WWE's style, and therefore, he ended up not being able to have great matches with all that many people, because he would wrestle this, like, Super Lucha style, but there aren't that many people in WWE that can do that. And when you get past having exhibition matches and it's time to, you know, enter into the world of big pay-per-view stuff, you got to find a dancing partner. And they did. They brought in a guy named Hunico. And Sin Cara versus Hunico was a, was a big thing. It was first it was Sin Cara was injured. And then Sin Cara came back, but it turned out it was a fake Sin Cara. It was Sin Cara Negro. And Sinkara Negro had to be unmasked, and that turned out to be Hunico. So Hunico, and Hunico wrestled as Hunico for a while. There's a Mattel figure of him in his, you know, jeans and tank top and whatever. Sankara ends up getting released after all this. And by the way, I should clarify, I'm looking at the Discord right now. WWE Front Row says, I think the boys got a tryout. I don't think they have been signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about the people who came into the Performance Center for a tryout. I don't, you know. I don't think any of that group has been signed. They just made a big deal of all the people that came in for tryouts. That's all. Uh, but Dalton Castle is not in the performance center. I, I just mean that they made it. That's why I said they made it to the performance center because that's the first step, right? So Huniko ends up becoming Sincara. They go, hey, remember when you played Sincara Negro? Well, what if you were just Sincara? So this version of Sincara is actually the second Sincara. And he's asking for his release. And, you know, I don't really necessarily blame him. I don't know how much I like the asking for your release and then making a public statement about it. You know, and I don't know if that really makes a difference. Could make a difference negatively, to tell you the truth. Uh, but uh, I, I think that I get why Sin would ask for his release. He hasn't really done much uh, lately. He came back recently. You know, it's interesting because... He came back recently to have a match with Andrade on Raw, and they made a big deal about him returning, and they gave him uh, a female counterpart, and they did a whole thing, and I guess that still was not enough. Maybe Sin or Hunico or, or however he's going to exist outside of WWE just feels like there's more for him outside. But he was granted his release. I wonder if this means there'll be another wave of that, if other guys who maybe are not being used or have asked for their release or whatever it is will be granted their releases. I just wanted to butt in here because as I was finishing the editing of this podcast, the tweet came out that WWE has also come to terms on the release of Luke Harper. So I would imagine, you know, we were theorizing uh, what was going to happen there with Luke Harper after Sin Cara. And I would imagine that this means that uh, WWE has decided that, you know, they're they're ready to release some of these guys. I would think Mike Kanellis is going to be next on the list. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, he probably already has been released. And I wouldn't be shocked if there are a couple other people on that list. Okay, just wanted to add that in so I didn't sound like a total idiot. Back to what we were saying before. Uh, we had Alberto versus Tito Ortiz. Alberto Del Rio tapping out. Tito Ortiz won himself Alberto's Replica WWE Championship. It was really weird to see Alberto Del Rio defending a Replica WWE Championship because he once held the title. It wasn't even the title that he held. It was a replica of that title. But Tito Ortiz won it, so I guess if Alberto still wants to have that on the mantle, he's going to have to shell out another 350 bucks or whatever. Um, and then you've got, uh, speaking of titles... Poor Walter. I don't know if he went to a Longhorn Steakhouse or what it was, but apparently the WWE UK Championship was stolen. Uh, it sounds like uh, the way I read it, Walter was in Chicago in a rental car. Somebody smashed the windows, broke into the rental car, and they stole Walter's championship in boots. Listen, if you're out there right now, and you're listening to this podcast, and you have a UK Championship... And a big old pair of boots. They don't belong to you. You need to return them right away. Now. They are not your property. They belong to Walter. Walter needs them. And if you don't want to return them to Walter, please reach out to me. I will buy them off you. We can probably work something out. I would love to have Walter's WWE UK Championship. And I would never... Here's how you know I wouldn't rant you out. Because I would never tell anybody I had it. But... That's the second option. The first option is do the right thing. Return Walter's stuff. I guess Timothy Thatcher who's an independent wrestler got his stuff stolen too. You know, same way in a rental car. So I don't know, man. That's a real bummer. It's annoying too. Somebody would go and take it. You know, you want to go like, well, who would take a championship? But realistically, I mean, if you're robbing a car and you have somebody's legit championship in the backseat, you know, The belt of a heavyweight champion is a very rare item. These are the jewels from the belt. You know, I I think that that you'd have to grab it, especially since that UK championship is so gorgeous looking. I'm sure they're going to have a replacement. I'm sure they already have a replacement ready, but it's just annoying. You do wonder if at some point it'll ever pop up. You know, maybe the guy who robbed the car doesn't really realize what he has. But if he doesn't realize what he has, I doubt he would keep it. He would probably try to sell it. Maybe it ends up in some pawn shop or something. And then a collector stumbles in there and finds it, realizes what it is, grabs it. Who knows? It could end up somewhere. Hopefully it'll end up back around the race of, of, waste of, of Walter where it belongs. But poor Walter. It's not even like he lost it. You know? It got stolen from him. It's not right. And I do want to say congrats to uh, Matthew over at Botchamania. Matthew... Just completed the 400th episode of Botchamania. I have been watching Botchamania since. I mean, I don't even know. I I would let maybe I'll look it up right now. When did Botchamania one come out? Because I just I I love Botchamania. For those that don't know, this kid Matthew. I guess he's not a kid anymore. He's been doing this for so long. But Matthew, uh, he just is hilarious. He has this hilarious British wit about him where he knows exactly what's funny in wrestling and also puts in a whole bunch of video games and Simpsons references, which are hilarious. Uh, But Botchamania is exactly what it sounds like. It's the original, longest-running, episodic botch compilation in all of the internet. Uh, Botchamania was started... uh, I mean, I see this post from 2011, but... uh, Okay, so here's the history. The first three Botchamanias were not actually uploaded by Matthew. The original videos were made quite poorly, featuring some recent botches, but missing some classic moments. After his first YouTube account was deleted, Matthew re-uploaded the first Botchamanias as a compilation. This was mainly due to Matthew's own rules of not including any videos that weren't botches, like The Rock doing Ric Flair's trademark walk, or including clips with career-ending or serious uh, injuries. Okay, that makes sense. It doesn't say what the date is. But Matthew came along at Boccia Mania number four and just completely changed the game and has made one of the longest running funniest things on the Internet in forever. You know, and I love that like he's never he hasn't stopped that you would think that at some point this would stop. And he never has. He just keeps putting out new videos and everyone gets better. I hope he does it for the rest of his life. They are so great. And, you know, you hear like people who go, you know, I wanted to keep doing this for you, but it takes a lot of time and I'm not making any money doing it and and it's really tough. And, well, come on, do it for the love of the game. That's why you started it, Right. You started doing this stuff for the love of the game. So keep doing it for the love of the game. And that's what Matthew is doing. Matthew never sold out. Matthew just maintained. And for the last 10 years. Has done 400. Or I guess 396. Of the funniest things on the internet. So if you're not watching Botchamania. Go out and watch it. You can find me on a couple of them. McAfee made big number 400. Because he called Rhea Ripley Rhea Shipley. Absolutely. I was going to DM Matthew if he didn't put McAfee on the 400th Botchamania and say, you missed McAfee. But he didn't miss him. Of course he didn't miss him. He's Matthew. He doesn't miss a thing. Love it. I'm so happy. So tonight, Monday Night Raw, as far uh, as as this taping goes, we've only had two things announced. It's going to be AJ Styles versus, uh, I almost said Ray J Styles. Uh, It's going to be, by the way, You guys see that Ray J interview this week where he broke his glasses? He said they were unbreakable, and then the host just snapped him in half. He goes, I don't care. He's great. It's great. It's just psychotic. It's 30 minutes of madness. I love it. It's not a wrestling thing, but it's great. AJ Styles versus uh, Rey Mysterio. United States Championship is on the line. AJ Styles getting that rematch. Um, Clearly, this match is going to lead to something at TLC, Uh, whether that's a lumberjack match, whether that's a cage match, whether that's a... I think they. I think it'd be awesome to do a TLC match because you've only got one TLC match announced. You could theoretically, if you're going to go Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, you could do a Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins TLC match. I would love to see an AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio TLC match. It seems like Rey Mysterio, since his Brock Lesnar story, has just jumped on a surfboard and riding this wave. And I'm here for it. I want to see it. A TLC match between AJ Styles versus Rey Mysterio would be, in my humble opinion, incredible. We've also got uh, the big divorce is happening. Rusev versus Bobby Lashley in a, I mean, Rusev and Lana in a divorce. I guess it's Rusev versus Bobby Lashley because uh, Lashley's picking up those sloppy seconds. But again, like the divorce is finally going to happen. Lana said she wants it. Rusev has said he's fine with it. Good, let's get a divorce. I don't know what they're fighting about anymore. And then once they do get a divorce, then what are they fighting about? I don't know. I would imagine the divorce is not going to happen because there's going to be a restraining order or something like that. Um, But then maybe we'll find out Lashley skipped bail after he got arrested for not doing anything. I don't know. I just hope that this matter gets settled. They have a match at TLC and we go into 2020 with a clean slate. That's all we want to do is go into 2020 with a clean slate. Uh... Later this month, we're going to be doing, I'm thinking maybe the last week of the year, we do kind of a year-end wrap-up on Monday and then do a decade-end wrap-up on Thursday. That's in a week or two. Or probably about two weeks. So start getting your emails in now for that stuff. Not Wrestling at gmail.com and you can be included. Also, this week, as wrestling's going on, just shoot me emails. Not Sam Wrestling at gmail.com, and uh, I will answer them here on the podcast, the Thursday edition. Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. We will see you then. Thanks again, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram,
0: Facebook, and YouTube. read review, and subscribe. This has been...
2: Click ranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.